Let's read the Bible together, and um, if you've got a Bible with you, then look at John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 35 to 50. If you'd like to borrow one of the Bibles from the windowsills, that's what they're there for. Pick one up and join us and read with us. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 35 to 50. Jesus' first disciples. The next day, John was there again, that's John the Baptist, with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon Son of John, you will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter or Rock. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the birth of the church, really. The the calling of the first disciples, the followers of Jesus. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And I want to talk this morning um, about three things. I want to talk about an invitation. I want to talk about a challenge and a promise. An invitation, a challenge, and a promise. The first thing is an invitation that you see here to various people. In verse 39 of chapter 1, Jesus invites these two disciples that are asking him where he's staying. He says to them, come and see. Come and see. And then in verses 44 to 46, Philip, like Andrew and Peter uh, from Bethsaida, Philip finds Nathanael and says, we found the one that the Lord, that Moses was talking about. Nazareth, can anything good from there? And and the invitation comes again from Philip this time to Nathanael, "Come, come and see, come and see. A response to some fairly 
major defining statements that we find that are made by various characters in this little passage. Phrases like, or statements like 136, where John, again, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, look, the Lamb of God, which John has already said about him. And then Andrew's statement, Andrew who, who sees and finds Jesus, goes to his brother in verse 41 and makes another very, very, very important and bold statement. We have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah, the, the anointed one of God, the one that we've been waiting for to come and save his people. We found him. So you've got John who's saying, look, the Lamb of God. You've got Andrew who's saying, we found the Messiah. And then you've got Philip in verse 45 who makes a, another bold statement and, and a, a defining, epoch-changing statement, really. Philip, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. So there's some really defining statements here. He's the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. He's the Messiah, the anointed one that we've been waiting for all these years. He is the one that Moses wrote about in the Old Testament and the prophets pointed to. So these are, these are moments kind of that are defining who Jesus is. And then this invitation, come and see. Come and see who we have found. Come and see Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. There's something powerful and intriguing about meeting someone who says that they have encountered Jesus and that he has changed their life. It, it is always a moving thing to encounter that. If you've ever met, and you're not a Christian, but you've met someone who says, I am a Christian and I, I've met Jesus and he's changed my life. We had a baptism service here fairly recently where people come forward and they're baptized in water and they are saying that I have met Jesus and he has changed my life. And what struck me as I sat listening on that Sunday evening to those stories of transformation from all of those individuals is they're from such different backgrounds. Some of them were raised in church settings and in Christian homes. Some of them were not. Um, some were black, some were white, some were old, some were young, some were male, some were female. Uh, they all came from different kind of backgrounds, different countries even. And yet as they stood and told their stories, they were saying in essence, we have met Jesus and he has changed our life and we want to follow him. And it's so powerful when that happens, when you see how Jesus changes people's lives. I remember seeing a video from the group um, Teen Challenge that came here. Teen Challenge is an organization that works with uh, drug addicts and, and those in the throes of addiction and, and point them to Jesus and say, Jesus can and will change your life. And what struck me as I watched that video uh, against the backdrop of the song that we have just sung, Amazing Grace, as the song sung in the background and the bagpipes played and the setting was somewhere in Scotland, I think. And, and, and you saw, you saw pictures of before and after of these people in Teen Challenge. And you saw their drug-addled faces and you saw their sin-sick lives and you, you saw the gauntness and the pale look and the haunted look and the dark eyes. And then you would see the picture merge and change and you would see what they have become and how they have changed as they meet Jesus. And Jesus changes their life by his amazing grace. 
And, and this is what is happening here at the birth of the church. When people come and say, I have met Jesus, I've met the Messiah. I have met the one who Moses spoke of. Come and see. Come and see him. Come and see for yourself. And this is the greatest invitation that can be made. And it's one that we can all make if we call ourselves followers of Jesus. That we can all make if Jesus has changed our life. That we can say to our friends and our family and to those that we work with, come and, come and see one who has changed my life. Here are some answers to the question that were asked recently in one of our Alpha courses to people that had been on an inquiring course to come and see who is Jesus? What does he claim to be? What is the claim of Christianity? And these were some of the responses that were given in the feedback at the end of the course in, in our church. My, my life has completely changed. I now look at the world through different eyes. I feel love for everyone and an inner peace that I never imagined could exist. Another person said, I had been living my life in a dark hole. I was carrying a great weight on my shoulders. That burden has gone. I am filled with great hope. All I want to do is serve Christ in whatever form he chooses. Someone else wrote in response at the end of the Alpha course, I feel like I have found life and I have conquered death in one day. It's always such a joy at events like last week when we had Mark Ritchie here in the evening uh, doing his show and, and speaking about the love of Jesus and the transforming love of Jesus. It's, it's always such a, a wonderful thing to see you and our congregation who've said to someone, come and, come and see, come and listen, come and watch, uh, come and listen to this story, this message. It's always a joy when we run our Alpha courses, which are in essence saying, come and see, come and, come and listen, come and look, come and meet this Jesus that we talk about. There's something rich and rewarding about receiving an invitation to an event, a, a wedding or a birthday, an anniversary, a special event, a special card in the post to save the date, an email, a phone call. You are invited. You're invited. Come and celebrate with us our special occasion and there's a date and there's a time and there's an event and an RSVP, Responde Silver Play, come back to us, come and join us, be our invited guests. And some events are open to anyone and everyone and some events are by invitation only. You have to be invited. And there are plenty of invitations in the Bible to people like us some of which follow the food and drink theme. But speaking of a spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst that is in people's lives, here's one expressed a very long time ago by a prophet in the Old Testament who issued this invitation to people. Come all who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. 
It's an invitation by a prophet to come to God and to have a hunger and a thirst satisfied that money cannot buy, that money will never find, that money will never pay for, but there is a spiritual hunger and a thirst and it's free and it's a gift. I read in a newspaper recently of one couple that had invited people to their wedding where all the wedding guests were invited to pay 250 pounds to attend. (laughs) You can come, you're our invited guest, but you have to pay to be our guest. Probably not the best invite ever to receive, but there is something here, the Bible says, that money cannot buy. It is without money, and it is without cost. And this same invitation that Jesus is making here and that his first followers are making. Come and see. We've met Jesus. He's changed our life. Jesus makes the same invitation that the ancient prophet made and he makes it to everyone and he makes it to you and he makes it to me. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary I'm burdened. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, I'm humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Is it just me or does the world seem a little bit more weary at the moment? People looking for rest for their souls. There is so much unrest. There is so much turmoil. There is so much political division. And Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. It's an astounding and a bold invitation that still stands. And it is either presumptuous of Jesus or it is true. Could Jesus really make that much difference in someone's life? Could he really give you soul rest? That would be quite the invitation to every one of us. Come and see. And there are different characters here that are invited to come and see. There's Peter. There's Andrew, first of all, and then he invites his brother Peter, Simon Peter. Come and and see. We've met the Messiah. Now, Peter was a kind of a heart guy. He was a fisherman. He was a down-to-earth guy wasn't perhaps a great intellectual. He was someone who lived life kind of out of his emotions. He was impetuous. He was, he was decisive. He was bold. He was brave at times. But Peter was someone that was very kind of emotionally driven, but he was invited to come and see. And later in the story, we see and we find here that Jesus, it says, when Peter comes, he looks intently at Peter. Jesus looks intently at him. He sees him. He sees who he is. He knows who he is. And Jesus looks intently at people and he knows you. He knows you from the inside out. Now there's another time that Jesus looks intently at Peter and that is when he messes up and he betrays Jesus and he denies him in front of other people and he said, I never knew him. And out of fear, Peter, Simon Peter, who will be called the rock of the church, He denies Jesus and Jesus looks at him. 
You see, Jesus knows us. We live in a cancel culture. We live in a culture with each other so often that we cancel each other. If we mess up, if people mess up, they get canceled. Social media mob piles in. Uh, the media piles in. We see so many people these days when they mess up, they're just absolutely vilified and they are canceled. They have failed. There's no grace, there's no forgiveness, there's no second chance. But Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you are Simon. <laughs> this is who you are. <laughs> you are this impetuous, emotion-driven person. I know who you are, Simon. He looked intently at him. He knew exactly who he was. And he said, you will be Peter, the rock. It's who you will be when I am finished with you. And Jesus is not finished with us yet. You are, but you will be. And Jesus looks at us in that way and he sees us and he sees us as we are and he sees us in our failures. And he says, you are, but you will be. And then there's Philip from Bethsaida and Philip invites Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is kind of is described as a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. He doesn't suffer fools gladly. He speaks his mind. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, he says. You're saying this is the Messiah. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's a straight talker. He's a bit cynical. He's probably more of an intellectual, more of a thinker, less of a heart person, less of an emotion person. He plays it straight down the line. And there are some people when they come to Jesus, they say, you've got to convince me. I've got to think this through. I had a friend in Germany when we lived there and he was very much the intellectual and he was very much the scientific person and he was very much the inquirer and he wasn't going to be given into kind of some emotional connection with God but he was very interested in the things of God and, and faith and he went and he read C.S. Lewis's book Mere Christianity and he, he visited, he gradually has examined and came and saw and thought through, he decided that this is the truth, this is who Jesus says he is. He is that person and I want to follow him. And we see the different responses to the invitation, come and see, from Peter, from Nathaniel, from Philip, from Andrew. But there's a chain reaction as one invites the other. I have seen, I have experienced, come and see. And that's what we want to do here. We want to invite people to come and see. We have an Alpha course coming up very soon in our church which is an invitation to all who are interested that want to know more about the Christian faith. We say, come and see. Come and examine. You may want to ask questions. You may have doubts. You may have, um, you may have objections. But come and see the one we have met. The second thing that follows here from an invitation to every one of us is a challenge. Jesus challenges them and he says, follow me. In chapter 1 and verse 43, follow me. Be my disciple. Come and follow me. Don't just come and see, come and follow me, Jesus says. Ultimately, the challenge that Jesus lays down for every one of us, for every one of us, is ultimately to deny ourselves and all else and to follow him, to give our lives to him, to say that he is our Lord, he is our master, he is our saviour. And we read in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 onwards, large crowds were travelling with Jesus and turning to them he said, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. As the living Bible puts it, anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more than he does his own father, his own mother, his own wife, his own children, their own brothers or sisters, even more than their own life. Otherwise, that person cannot be my disciple. And no one can be my disciple who does not carry his own cross and follow me. Nabil Qureshi, who lived from 1983 to 2017, was a Muslim who converted to follow Jesus Christ. He described in Christianity Today his conversion to Jesus when he was a medical student and the effect it had on his world. He said, I began mourning the impact of the decision that I knew I had to make. On the first day of my second year of medical school, it became too much to bear. Yearning for comfort, I decided to skip school. And returning to my apartment, I placed the Quran and the Bible in front of me. I turned to the Quran, but there was no comfort there. For the first time, the book seemed utterly irrelevant to my suffering, irrelevant to my life. It felt like a dead book. And with nowhere left to go, I opened up the New Testament and I started reading. And very quickly, I came to the passage that said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Electric, the words leapt from the page and jump-started my heart. I could not put the Bible down. I began reading it fervently, reaching Matthew 10, verse 37, which taught me that I must love God more than even my own mother and father. But Jesus, I said, accepting you would be like dying. I will have to give up everything. The next verses spoke to me saying, he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Jesus was being very blunt. For Muslims, following the gospel is more than a call to prayer. It's a call to die. I knelt at the foot of my bed and I gave up my life. Now you don't have to be a Muslim to follow that call, to follow Christ. He still calls every one of us to die to ourselves and to follow him. It's the challenge of Christianity. Jesus challenges every one of us in an I-dominated world, in an I-dominated culture where we want happiness at any cost and ease at any cost and comfort and prosperity at any cost. He calls us to take up our cross and to follow him. And Dallas Willard says in his book, The Great Omission, most problems in contemporary churches can be explained by the fact that members have never decided to follow Christ. And this has always been the challenge that has been issued by Jesus. Jesus challenges culture. Jesus challenges worldview. He challenges 
And his teachers challenge us in our selfishness and in our rebelliousness and in our sin. And we read even in Jesus' time, even when Jesus walked the earth in John 6, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It was too much. The cost was too great. The call, the challenge was too much. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And the challenge is still issued by Jesus today. Will you take up your cross and will you follow me? The invitation is there for everyone. Come unto me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened. I will give you rest for your souls. The invitation is there. Come and see. Come and see who Jesus is. Come and see the Messiah, the one who has changed our life. Come and see the one about whom Moses and the prophets spoke. Come and see. Come and follow. The challenge is there that Jesus issues, and he never, ever ducked it. He never soft-pedaled it, according to his audience. He doubled down and he said, this is what I'm calling you to do, to follow me, to lay down your life, to take up your cross, to follow me. And the third thing that we see here, apart from an invitation and a challenge, is a promise. We read in verse 48 onwards, How do you know me? He sees Nathanael and he speaks into his life. He says, here's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus said, I, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You shall see, this is a promise of Jesus to Nathaniel and to every follower of his, you shall see heaven open. This references this picture of, uh, of the, 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 the heavens open and the angels ascending and descending to the Son of Man. It, it takes us right back to a story in the Old Testament. It takes us back to Genesis 28, and it takes us back to a character called Jacob, who was in a difficult place. And in a dream, he saw, in a vision, he saw a ladder and a stairway ascending to heaven. And he saw angels going up and down this stairway. And, and when he woke up from this dream, this vision of, of an open heaven and, and this stairway this to heaven and the angels ascending and descending which Jesus references here to Nathaniel and the sense of an open heaven um, what Jacob says at the end he says surely the Lord is in this place I wasn't even aware of it what an awesome place this is this is none other than the house of God this is the very gateway to heaven in, the, in his darkest place, Jacob, in his place of despair, in a place of running away from his brother who he'd had a massive falling out with, in a place of being exiled from his family, in a place of a foreign land, in a place where he'd messed up himself and deceived his family. He says, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is a gateway to heaven. The heavens are open. 
This is a linking of heaven and earth. This is what some of the desert fathers called, this is a thin place. This is where heaven is close to earth. This is one of those thin places where God is. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I, I wasn't even aware of it that God is here. And N.T. Wright says, Jesus promises to his disciples is, if you follow me, you will be watching what it looks like when heaven and earth are open to each other. You won't necessarily see the angels themselves, but you will see things happening that show that they are there all right. They are there all right. This is open heaven. This is a place where we will see when we follow Jesus, we will see times where heaven and earth are open to each other, which is why Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think when we start to follow Jesus and we submit our lives to him in trust and obedience, all of our lives, our family and our children and our, our, our friends and our colleagues and our job and our career, our money, our desires, our longing, our sexuality, our possessions, when we lay it all down on the line before God, our weak places and our broken places and our sinful places, I think we can expect times and places where it's as if heaven is open it's as if heaven comes down to earth. You know on those days when you look out and it's cloudy and it's dark and it's cold and the, and the skies are as brass and, and then suddenly the clouds part and the shafts of sunlight come through. It's so bold, it's so, it's so visible, the, the, the sunlight coming through the darkness, the, the grayness, the, the thick clouds. And the sun shines on you and all of a sudden you feel its warmth and the sun on your face. The clouds part, the sun shines. And I, I think this is what happens when God's blessing comes. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I think this is what happens when the blessing of God comes, when the clouds part and the sun rays fall and the warmth of God's favour and presence and smile rests upon us. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gateway of heaven. What if the heavens were to open up over your life, over your family situation, over your workplace? What if the heavens were to open up over this church? What if the heavens were to open up over your sinfulness, over your addiction, over your problems? What if the blessing of God were to come and the favor and the smile of God were to come and shine down on you? All of a sudden, what was dark and cold and lifeless is infused with light and warmth and health, the very presence of God. And Jesus says to Nathaniel, You've been impressed, Nathaniel, because I know you and because I see you, but I am telling you, you're going to experience an open heaven in your life. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You're going to see the gateway of heaven on earth, the presence of God, the transformation of life, death to life, ashes to beauty, poverty to richness, 
in the Bible in one year, Nicky Gumbel, in one of his excerpts, writes, it was one of the most moving and powerful testimonies I've ever encountered. A former sex worker, drug addict, dealer, described how she had reached a point at which, in her own words, she was dead. She said her blood was black, her heart was black. She described how she came on an Alpha course, heard that Jesus loved her so much and that he had died for her. She described how this had broken the concrete of her heart and she experienced the love of God for her for the very first time. Like Nathaniel under the fig tree, Jesus knows everything about you. He knows everything about your life. He knows everything about the ups and he knows everything about the downs. He knows your darkest moments. He knows you and he sees you. Jesus looked intently at Peter You are, Simon, but you will be. You will be Peter the Rock. He looked intently, saw Nathaniel, this straight-talking Israelite, and he broke into his life. And he says, I see you. I see you. And he wants to bring heaven to earth for you. For light to invade your darkness. In essence, he says to Nathaniel, and he says to you, you ain't seen nothing yet. An invitation to every one of us, come and see. If you've never come and seen, inquired, come and see. We feel that we've met the Messiah, the anointed one of God. Come and see. Come and inquire. The challenge that Jesus issues to every one of us and continues to issue to us throughout our lives. Follow me. Follow me. And the promise you will experience an open heaven and the transformation of your life. Let me pray for you. Lord, as we read this story of ancient disciples turning to see you, to follow you, to be transformed by you, we thank you that this is us. We are they. Some of us are perhaps more heart people, emotion people. Some of us are perhaps more cognitive and inquisitive. We're all different, Lord, but you invite every one of us to come those of us who are weary, those of us who are burdened, you invite us to come. You invite us through the ancient prophets to come and to eat and to drink things which money cannot buy, but which is free. We've sung about it today, the amazing grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. And we pray this morning, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they will come and see you that we will come and inquire of you, that they will give their heart and life to you, that they will experience an open heaven, the blessing of God, the sunshine of heaven shining down into their darkness. I pray for those who are perhaps at the bottom of the pit of despair, that as they look to you, your face will shine upon them, that you will open the clouds, that God, you will ascend and descend. You will 
Lord, you will touch earth with heaven's glory, that you will cause an open heaven to change even the most unchanging of situations. Lord, we look to you. We want to follow you and we want to know you as we are known by you. I pray that your grace and mercy will wash us and cleanse us and purify us. I pray that, Lord, you would call us and continue to call us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to sing together a song of blessing. We're going to sing this song, the blessing, and I want you to appropriate, receive the truth of the Word of God. The Word of God is true, and to appropriate it, to take it for yourself, and to receive what God offers you. (laughs) And if that's giving your life to Him, then do that this morning. If it's opening your heart to Him, then do it this morning. If it's crying out to Him for His help, then do it this morning. But may the face of God shine upon you. May you sense the warmth of his sunshine. May you know his blessing upon you. So receive this blessing as we sing it over one another this morning. Shall we stand as we sing as Andy leads us?